And now it's time for us to discuss more of these headlines and simple keywords with Adam joining us via Zoom. Good morning, Adam. Good morning, Lena, and happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday. I presume it was an extra busy morning for you. <laughs> extra busy, yes. So. <laughs> it's not just about the headlines updates. When you're trying to deal with a rather discreet country like North Korea, uh, things come in drips and drabs, and we have to make sense of yeah. intelligence in, <laughs> in keywords, essentially. That's right. I mean, nothing's been confirmed. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of the reports say mostly the same thing, but they're differing in slight detail. So it's a bit confusing, <laughs> but uh, I managed to summarize it up uh, in a bit of a concise uh, segment for you. <laughs> All right. So let's jump into the deep end of that pool. This is our first keyword of the day. Kim Putin's summit. So it has been confirmed that Kim Jong-un is heading to Russia for talks with Vladimir Putin. Kim is also said to be traveling to Vladivostok on his special armored, while well, the bulletproof train in drab green. What's the latest? Yeah, so state media uh, in North Korea has confirmed that Kim has departed for Russia by his train called uh, Taehyung-ho on Sunday afternoon. Now, while the visit's details, including... Uh, the location and agenda are not yet specified. It is likely to take place mm. in Vladivostok. That's where the two leaders actually previously met uh, back in April 2019. Now, the Kremlin said in a statement that Kim would pay an official visit to Russia in the coming days at the invitation of Putin. Uh, North Korean state media said they would meet and have a talk. Now, although specific agenda items were not mentioned the visit does come amid growing concerns that the two countries could sign an arms deal uh, the timing of kim's arrival or the date of the summit were also not revealed now reports suggest the trip may take more than 20 hours by uh, train that means kim may have actually already arrived or he could arrive sometime today mm. if he hasn't already um, meanwhile, the Kremlin said talks between the North Korean and Russian delegations are also planned along with the summit as well. So it seems like Kim Jong-un is being accompanied by a delegation as well. Uh, it also said an official dinner is planned for the North Korean leader after bilateral talks. Uh, reports suggest the meetings and the summit may happen on the sidelines of the Eastern Economic Forum, which kicked off uh, on Sunday for a four-day run. Some Russian media reports uh, say that the two leaders could meet after the gathering, not the EF. Now, the trip uh, would mark the first such visit to Russia uh, by Kim in nearly four and a half years. It's also his first trip abroad uh, since the pandemic as well. So those are the kind of the details or the consensus of the details that uh, are coming out so far. Mm. Uh, of course, um, we'll have to wait until the next one or two days, I presume, mm. to get any more confirmed details about the meeting and uh, what those uh, two leaders discuss. And now suddenly those images about dating back to 2019 makes more sense to me. Uh, Kim hasn't visited Russia officially, that is, for four and a half years. So a lot of those images are from 2019. Yes. Uh, of course, nothing can be confirmed, but we can certainly speculate uh, what is exactly North Korea wants out of this trip and what does Russia need? Our second keyword of the day. Eyes on meeting. So Kim's trip to Russia is being closely watched by foreign governments and the media alike. Um, it is largely seen as a military cooperation uh, for North Korea. They, it would mean that they can get technical help with this weapons program to finally be needed by an important neighbor. Those seems to be some of the obvious takeaways. But what can we expect? 
Yeah, so uh, as you say, eyes will mainly be on whether an arms deal is actually made to help Moscow's uh, invasion of Ukraine. Foreign media uh, have been looking into the potential implications of increased military cooperation between North Korea and Russia, uh, especially on the ongoing Ukraine conflict, as well as the security situation mm. in Northeast Asia as well, and uh, here along the Korean Peninsula. Uh, AP, for example, reported that North Korea could seek advanced weapon-related technology including ICBMs, in exchange for supporting Russia with energy and food aid and supplying ammunition. AP raised concerns that the transfer of Russian technology could potentially increase the threat posed by North Korea's nuclear weapons and missiles, uh, particularly those aimed at South Korea, the United States and Japan. The three allies have been, of course, uh, trying to boost their ties recently. The report also noted the symbolic nature uh, of the summit, indicating that it might have more symbolic value than substantive uh, military cooperation. Now, Reuters, meanwhile, raised concerns about the potential prolongation of the Ukraine war with mm. closer military cooperation between the two nations. Of course, if Russia is supplied with more weapons mm. uh, and ammunition, then, of course, that means... Um, more ammunition for it to uh, prolong its uh, invasion of Ukraine. Uh, and it's not just the media, but uh, Western governments also expressing concerns, the US being one of them. Uh, the White House did call on North Korea not to provide any weapons to Russia. Uh, it stressed that any arms deal between North Korea and Russia would directly violate UN Security Council resolutions that prohibit any arms trade um, with the North. Uh, Tong Pak, the Deputy Assistant Secretary of State, also expressed concerns over Kim's visit to Russia, saying it might be the final step before North Korea begins providing large amounts of weapons to Russia. So we've had reports of kind of uh, ministerial and working level talks between the two countries, potentially over an arms deal. And of course, when the leaders meet, that's usually a sign that it is kind of the final uh, signing off of a potential arms deal. Now, the U.S. diplomat also expressed concerns over growing cooperation between the North uh, as well as Russia and China, noting that Beijing and Moscow are already shielding Pyongyang mm -hmm. from the consequences of repeatedly violating multiple UNSC resolutions. We've been seeing this in UN, uh, UNSC meetings mm -hmm. where Russia and uh, China notably vetoes any such resolutions or statements that come out from those uh, emergency meetings, especially that come uh, after North Korean provocations. Mm. Uh, Washington did say that it will be closely monitoring the trip and the subsequent Kim-Putin summit. Uh, Russia, meanwhile, has also warned South Korea that if it makes a hasty decision to supply weapons and military equipment to Ukraine, which it hasn't done so far, um, but Russia says it could damage the relationship between um, Seoul and Moscow. Now, South Korea has been providing non-lethal aid to Ukraine, something that Russia mm. is not uh, very happy about. But uh, it is warning that if that does turn to lethal aid, then things might uh, escalate further. So how far will military cooperation extend between the two countries, if any? Because as you said, some reports indicate that is this summit more symbolic than anything else? Again, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, that's coming up in the next few days. Uh, Kim Jong-un expected to arrive sometime today if he hasn't arrived already. The way we have to word <laughs> these headlines, <laughs> we just need to cover all bases. Right. <laughs> all right, on to our third keyword of the day.
Economic rebound. So most OECD member countries seem to have recovered from the impact of the pandemic, the worst of it that is, and have returned to their pre-pandemic economic size. Uh, tell us the details. Right, so uh, South Korea, uh, its economy is estimated to have grown by just under 6% compared to before the pandemic. But it falls kind of within the middle range among the uh, OECD member countries. According to the OECD, the real GDP of OECD members as of the second quarter of this year increased by just over 5% compared to the fourth quarter of 2019. That's just before the pandemic. Now, the real GDP of OECD members did not return to pre-pandemic levels until the first quarter of 2021, but has since turned positive. Uh, as of the second quarter of this year, only two countries, the Czech Republic and the UK, have not actually yet recovered to their pre-pandemic uh, economic sizes. Now, Korea's growth rate is at 16th place among the 36 uh, member states, excluding Luxembourg and New Zealand, for which GDP data as of the second quarter has not yet been updated. Uh, in particular, it is interpreted that Korea's growth rebound was relatively weak compared to the 6.1% increase in the size of the US economy compared to uh, before the pandemic. Uh, usually, Korea's economic growth rate usually does... Um, outnumber that of the U.S. economic growth rate, uh, except for when it was the Asian financial mm. crisis. But in this time round, it seems like the U.S. economic uh, growth rate that has exceeded that of Korea's. Uh, now, among the OECD countries, Ireland actually showed the largest rebound in growth compared uh, to before the pandemic. Uh, Korea's neighbour, Japan, its economy grew by 3% compared to before the pandemic, so about half. Uh, of South Korea. So Korea is kind of like a, what experts are uh, saying is a kind of a healthy middle ground in terms of economic <laughs> growth. But of course, here in Korea, uh, uh, most people <laughs> wish it was a lot greater. Because I, uh, I was going to say what we feel and what they say, <laughs> there's a pretty right. big discrepancy there. Exactly. <laughs> uh, healthy economy, that might just be relative. All right, let's move on to our fourth keyword of the day. Less work hours. So a recent study shows that the average annual actual working hours of wage workers in South Korea have decreased by over 500 hours in the past 20 years. That's the largest decrease among OECD countries, something to note. But I mean, if we're going from monstrous working hours to a more normal one, um, is, should that statement be clarified? Right. So it's basically say that uh, Korea is now kind of like a normal level, whatever you interpret normal to be. Mm. But uh, it, it just goes to show that 20 years ago, Korea was certain, Korean people were certainly uh, overworked, for a want of a better word. Now, the Korea Enterprises Federation uh, released the results of an analysis comparing working hours in South Korea and OECD states using data from the OECD as well as the South Korean government. Now, according to the KEF, the average annual working hours per wage worker uh, in South Korea was 2,458 hours in 2001, but it decreased to 1,904 hours last year. That's a decrease of 554 hours. Now, during the same period, the OECD average actual working hours decreased from 1,767 
1,719, reducing the gap with South Korea from 691 hours to 185 hours. So a significant decrease in that gap. Now, South Korea's decrease in annual working hours is the largest, actually, among the OECD states. And according to the KEF, it is just over 10 times the average decrease of 20 hours among OECD states during the period from 2011 to 2022. Uh, the KEF pointed out that although there are limitations to international comparisons, of course, of working hours, considering differences in statistical methods and labor market environments, uh, Korea's annual action worker, uh, working hours for all wage workers have been used as evidence for a long time to claim that the country has basically long working hours. But now even this statistic shows a significant reduction in the gap. Mm -hmm. uh, now, the KEF also presented the results of comparing the actual working hours of full-time workers in Korea and the OECD average, excluding part-time workers. It stated that overall worker hours, uh, working hours statistics are not appropriate for assessing long working hours policies because they are influenced by part-time worker statistics. Now, as the OECD does not provide statistics on full-time wage workers in Korea, the KEF extracted data from the Economically Active Population Survey and analyzed it in line with the OECD standards. As a result, in 2001, the average working hours of full-time workers in Korea came to 51 hours per week compared to the OECD average of 40.9. That's a gap of about 10 hours. However, last year, it analyzed that Korea had 42 hours the OECD average was 40.7 hours. So that gap reduced to about 1.3 hours uh, as well. So it seems like overall, that's a lot of numbers. But basically, Korea, uh, we could tell, of course, by uh, the decrease of 500 mm -hmm. hours over the past 20 years, that Korea certainly has um, probably a better work-life balance. <laughs> I guess it depends on what kind of industry you're in. But uh, it is a significant uh, decrease Across the board, anyway, on average. But, of course, to each their own. And uh, some people might argue that, well, my working hours have actually increased through that period. But, uh, uh, yes, but uh, if we're looking in a general sense, it certainly is a decrease. To be fair, sometimes you have to look at the big picture to make sense of that. For the average right. South Korean, the overall working hours has decreased over the course of two decades. However, you're right, depending on which industry and the intensity of the work that we have to do, can we really say the hours are the only measurement to ensure a better work? work-life balance right, exactly. <laughs> for one you and i wake up at four in the morning so you tell me yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's tough so uh, yeah i guess uh, each person will have their own interpretation of this all right with that we move on to our final keyword of the day morocco earthquake so the death toll from the devastating earthquake in Morocco, the worst in a century for the country, uh, it keeps climbing, uh, surpassing 2,800. That's the uh, death tally as we speak this morning. What's the latest, Adam? Right, so uh, more than 2,860 people were uh, reported to be killed in Friday's 6.8 magnitude earthquake with its epicenter in the high Atlas Mountains, a, a desperate search for uh, survivors continues as armed forces and international aid teams fight through the rubble and devastation to reach uh, remote mountain areas. 
Uh, another 2,500 or so people have been reportedly injured as well, uh, with rescue workers now facing a race against time to find survivors. And unfortunately, the death toll is expected to rise uh, further. The UN estimates 300,000 people across the region have been affected, and many people sleeping outside for a third consecutive night. Uh, the quake, of course, has caused widespread damage in the, especially the poor, uh, popular tourist city of Marrakesh, as well as surrounding villages. Uh, and, of course, uh, Moroccan authorities have accepted aid offers from uh, a wide range of countries, including mm. Spain, Britain, as well as nearby Qatar and the United uh, Arab Emirates as well. So uh, some unfortunate news coming out from that African country, mm. uh, but we'll possibly have more updates in the coming days as well. Thank you very much, Adam, for today's coverage, especially more so today. <laughs> <laughs> You're very welcome. See I'll you see tomorrow. you tomorrow. If you're listening to our program using the podcast service, just a reminder that we do go live Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. Korea Standard Time. So tune in and help us make the show more informative by giving us your input. See you bright and early on Good Morning Seoul.